Welcome back to The Last Action Critics with your hosts, Will, Uncle Willie, and Nora, the Queen of Beers, Kramer, or QB1 as I like to call her, quarterback in here for Ian, the cool blue reason, who is out still with the baby stuff. We got a guest in the house, Megan Burning. Hello. That is your name. Well done. You are in. We're excited to have you. Thank you for coming on. Very excited. Of course. Glad to be here. We are doing The Matrix. The original Matrix, the 1999 Matrix. This is episode 37, season three, and we're going to jump right into it. Now, we got a guest on the show, so we got to hit up some guestions real quick. We got to get to know you a little, Megan. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're excited to do so. Guestron. We work with you, so we know you a little bit, but. Let's dig a little deeper. Let's let's get get there. Let's get to digging. All right, here we go. Guestions. So we're going to do a little something for guestions different with you. You are not an action person per se. Not necessarily, no. That's fantastic. Right. We love a new perspective. Yeah. And we're excited to have one. So we're going to do, we decided YA. Yes. So instead of action movie, it's YA movie. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Of course it does. It's really obvious. (laughs) I feel like also before we go into guestions, we should also just make it clear that Megan was born the year <laughs> The Matrix came out, and yeah. both Will and I are significantly older. Yeah. I'm the token Gen Zer yes. of the crowd. Which is a great new perspective, I feel oh, yeah. like. I don't, is this the first time you guys have had a Gen Zer on the yes, podcast? This is our first Gen Zer. <laughs> wow. Woo! I think so. It's exciting. Yeah. The, you were born the year after I graduated high school. Right. That's always so exciting. That's really exciting for me. Yeah. yeah I always yes. feel really good. Every time yeah. we hang out, I'm like, yeah, nice. Yeah. If I, if I had a high school pregnancy, this could be my daughter. Yeah. Uh, like, I love it. That's the kind of age difference we're talking about. 18 right. years. <laughs> Let's get into it. Okay, get If you hear burping, it's because I've been drinking. Um, not, no, not because of that. Uh, YA movie. First YA movie you remember seeing. Yes. So I was at my friend's friend Sydney's parents lake house in probably fifth grade and it was Mean Girls a classic like at this point almost a cliche but like come on I think like all good movies I saw it a little young you know didn't quite get all the references but um Mm -hmm. yeah I think that was the first one I remember really seeing yeah wait how old were you um fifth grade Fifth yeah. grade. So the yeah. whole like Tina Fey shirt rip off in the beginning must have been a little shocking. <laughs> right. A little like, oh, I think I'm supposed to like this. Right. I well, don't know what I'm doing. I think that's the whole thing about the movie is there were lots of points of it where it was like, I don't really understand, but I like, yeah, I love it. Which I'm, is I'm one of it. the things I love about like looking at movies that I grew up watching was that like, I remember, I, I mean, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I remember like a lot of movies when I was growing up around that age where I watched it and I thought they were great or hilarious. And then like, as the years went on, as I rewatched, I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of hidden innuendos in these jokes that like, I got away with not really totally grasping. Some of them I did because I had a weird childhood, but like, a lot of them you don't. It's super fun to, as you get older, reinvest in those. I think Mean Girls is almost just like should be required 10-year-old viewing just 100%. because it's like, hey, just so you know, this is what's coming. You're about to hit high school. It's about to get shitty. Cooties will go out the window and something else is going to come in the window Literally and mean be girls. prepared for that. Yeah. So that's awesome. Great totally. first movie. Totally. Um, what's your favorite YA? It's Twilight. 
Nice. I know. Listen, I know maybe that's controversial. Right. I'm of an age. Part of the reason it is my favorite is because of the age I was. I was just a little too young to read the books. I was just a little too young. Did you see it in the theater? Um, I saw the later movies in theaters, but the first one I was too young to see in theaters. So I think that was part of the allure of it, of like this thing that's like mysterious and like sexy and like I can't have it. But you know what I mean? It was an awakening for you in some way. 100%. And then I think I've talked to both of you about this before, but like. I love this. (laughs) I was a grown ass man when that movie came out. I literally, I took a sleep in for me. My boyfriend was 27 <laughs> taking me to see this movie. When it oh, out. man. I was right. probably the same age as your boyfriend at the time. <laughs> and I was being taken to see it. Yeah. And I think it was just, I don't know, I... The whole thing with Twilight specifically is that it is so based in purity culture. And I did go to Catholic school. So it was like, it was untouchable, but like just touchable enough because like they weren't having sex. And the funny marriage. I did not go to Catholic school or any. I was not grown up like in any sort of religion. So all of that went right over my head when I read the books and saw the movies. I was like, I didn't get the parallels. And somebody I read somewhere, I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense. But I had no idea. If you had to pick a YA character, not the actor, but the character to hang out with, be your BFF, what have you, who would that be? Wait, for me to to be or to be their best friend? Be their best friend. Like, so when you're like, oh man, I would just love to hang out with Katniss because she seems so cool and I like arrows. Right. Um, that was superficial, but you know, <laughs> oh I'm, not, I'm not an amazing improver. I just do what I can. Um, no, that's great. I think I would love to be best friends with Lindsay Lohan and Freaky Friday. Okay. Um, because- Like in her band? Yeah, I want to be in that band. I want to be in that band. I want to be her best friend. Her in that movie, like, sexual awakening, I think, for everybody. Not for me. <laughs> Not I, was already, I was already awakened. Sorry. I think well, if that was a sexual awakening for me, I have other issues. <laughs> no, that's true. Sorry. <laughs> right. Okay, but for me personally. Yeah, Jimmy um, Lee Curtis, however, I, right, was a sexual awakening for me back in when she was in Trading Places. You right, know what I mean? Yeah. That was my, like, she was very sexy. That. And that's her right. mother in that movie. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. For yeah. sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, Freaky, Lindsay Lohan and Freaky Friday, I would love to be her BFF. Next question. Mm-hmm. Purpose of humans? Um, yeah, I think that's a great question. That's I'm gonna why give we like, ask it. <laughs> I'm going to give like a really girly pop answer and say we are all the universe experiencing itself. Okay, so yeah. you're 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 <laughs> positing that uh, the purpose of humans <laughs> is just to experience. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The existence of existence. The existence of existence. Yeah, uh-huh. and I'd say that humans and I think all living things are kind of the same in that aspect. Uh, yeah, I love that answer. Me and that really tall fig tree, the same. Dude. Yeah, this is just Star Wars. You're just describing the Force. That's right. so much nicer than mine. Yeah. Mine was yeah, literally yeah, yeah, yeah. humans are lesser. Everything else that exists, including right. this table, is more important than humans. <laughs> And then if you were in a YA, let's just say teen rom-com, because that's kind of the less mean girls, what character do you think you would be in those? Right. Um, I think I would be like Gretchen Wieners type. If we're going with mean girls, I think I would be like really fast talking gossip who is kind of like trying to take down the leader, kind of fails. And the whole time you're just like, oh. You were so close, but like she's the she's the dark haired one in the in the Mean Girls. Yeah, in with the, the three posse with the curly. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She's an interesting character because Lacey Chutesberg. Yes, good on you. Really hot back party. Oh five, no, right? please, I mean, please. Uh-huh. I let's not talk about it. She's interesting also because 
she's actually kind of like devious and smart. Uh, yeah. Even though she's unwilling to like admit it, she is devious and smart the whole time in a weird way. Totally. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think she just kind of like stands by her morals the whole time of like, well, I'm just as pretty. Like, I'm just as popular. I'm just as smart. Like, right. and she has that whole thing where she's like, we should totally just stop Caesar. And she's talking really fast. I think that embodies my energy as a person. So I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're a hater. I'm a hater first. <laughs> you're a hater first. Those are our questions. You made Ooh, it. You thank made you. it through the questions. Yes. We have one more question that Ian won't let me ask, but I'm going to ask anyway because you've now admitted that you've seen or heard several of the episodes. Is At there any? <laughs> is there any? section or uh, opinion or comment that you were like, oh, I need to talk a little bit about that. What are they talking about? Or, you know, like a segment that you were like, I wish they'd gone into this segment. Anything of that sort. This is kind of our own editorial on the show. Yeah. Um, I think we kind of addressed this earlier just this evening. I think like a movie in relation to culture when it came out versus now, or if it's a current movie, how it is based on or infects culture. I think that is kind of like my forte. And so I think as someone listening to the podcast, I'm like, I think talking about the movie specifically is great, but I think obviously culture, and I think especially with the matrix, like culture has changed so much from now until then, and it still remain relevant. I think culture, I know we're going to have a fashion segment later. We are going to do a um, little fashion segment. I know. I'm excited. You can cut that out so it's a surprise. No, no, but, no. Um, I, I don't, I, I love, <laughs> these are called teasers. We love them. Woo. Um, but yeah, I think for me personally, like re- p- placing things within culture and, and time and what humans are up to in that moment is really something that's interesting to me. It's a way well, to expand the audience. Yeah. But let's also just transition that into yeah. first thoughts. Yeah. So your first thoughts on a movie that came out in a time and a context that you were not, you were alive, barely, barely, barely alive for. What are your first thoughts about this movie? What were your expectations? Uh, how did you feel about it? Totally. Um, obviously, I was not conscious for like the release of it. I was a, an infant, but I do have two older brothers, and they we had the DVD of it, so it was like something I saw like very short clips of growing up, or like I saw the cover art, um, and so I had this really intense kind of image of it growing up. And then as an adult, I obviously knew like the red pill, blue pill situation. Um, And I kind of generally knew that it was about like rising to consciousness, rising to something like leaving society and like going against the grain. Um, And then watching it, I thought it was fantastic. I think um, I was expecting it to be a little dated, but I really don't think it is. Like I think in a lot of ways, it's almost become more relevant in a lot of ways. And I think that's the indicator of a really fantastic movie is that it is like continued to be really iconic and applicable to today. Agreed. I uh, 100%. 100% agree. <laughs> uh, that uh, me, I, I think everyone take a deep breath. We're bated breath. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're so excited. For yeah. days to hear what you were going to say, and I'm so stoked that it's going this way. That makes me so happy. I, yeah, I mean, I was kind of going into it being like, this is probably going to be dated. Like, it's going to be like a fun movie. And I'm, it's, it's going to be one of those things where it's like, I understand why it was iconic then, maybe not the same now, but I think it's still, I think it holds up. Really, really, really well. If not better. If not better. If I'm going to jump into first thoughts for myself quickly, I I went back. Obviously, I watched this when it came out. It was a huge deal when it came out. It had a lot of, you know, social relevance at at the time in terms of, uh, you know, what was going on in the context of, of this kind of disenfranchised youth. It, it, it spoke to us as, as a, uh, 
as a youth, it, it, it kind of shaped a lot of things. It was uh, obviously there was school shootings shortly afterwards, and it was it was kind of attached to that as like a people in trench coats with a lot of guns coming into a place and shooting it up. You know, and and, and whether that's valid or not, it was definitely within that zeitgeist of of talk and things going on. So it, it was a really kind of divisive movie at the time, you know, and obviously all that stuff has continued to happen and uh, and obviously is not thank you very much based on the matrix uh so let's give that up for a second but yeah going into it uh, coming back to it i felt like there was a moment where i was like is this going to look dated and it looks so good Incredible. the the, the, yeah. the wakowski sisters did such an amazing job putting this together the everything looks so crisp the the world they built still feels fun and relevant really well done i had a i had a fantastic time going back and watching it uh, you know canoe reeves love him he's my boo <laughs> i love him i want to get in his little canoe and paddle away him. yeah who wouldn't <laughs> kick it off ah my first thoughts um so I'm so excited to rewatch this. I did this when the last uh, Resurrections came out. Um, I rewatched them all, but that was like during pandemic and I was watching so much stuff. So I wasn't really thinking about what I was watching. So I was like super excited to revisit this. Very thrilled that I had the Blu-ray of it. When this movie came out, it was like, I think four years after Hackers and I was a young person idolizing my older brother who was super into computers, loved the movie Hackers. So like I, anything he liked, I was like, I'm in. So saw this in the theater, mind was blown. I was so obsessed with Trinity. I wanted to name our first dog Trinity. I think if we're going to talk sexual awakening. We are. We're going to talk about Trinity it. was... <laughs> Maybe not the first, but that was a big one for me. Um, and I just, I adored, adored this movie. Yeah. Um, love this movie so much. So when we, obviously I piggybacked onto this podcast because I just, I wanted, I wanted to be around this. Jump I wanted in. to talk about it. Um, I was so nervous watching it that like maybe it was going to be dated because I knew obviously this is not like through my eyes and my experiences and like how I feel about it, but also we're going to be sharing this with somebody who is, significantly younger than us. So I was like, how is it going to be from the viewpoint of somebody who was not living in that time? I was worried and it held up for me. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Hard, I mean, hard held up. It's and, and it's honestly like you brought up Trinity and Trinity was also a character that you hadn't seen yet in, no. in terms of representation for women, in terms of how she was, she was a badass and she didn't have like big boobs and blonde hair and, mm -hmm. you know, like wasn't, the quality of her person was not based on any of the uh, any of her visage, uh, and and it was like really like like my sister Kate was just like yes, this is the kind of person exactly. I want to like represent women in film, and 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 she's not she's not helped by Neo. No, if she, anything, she's, she's, she's the reason helping why. Him. Yeah, and then like that was such a incredible thing to see. She's independent. She's fierce. She's a little cold and sassy. She is insanely good at just like everything and just looks so good doing it. I mean, she, it's all of it. it. And it's not like even just in a sexual objectification way. Like she just literally embodies this, like, which we can talk about later oh, when we get to other stuff. But oh. like I, one thing that I'll just quickly plug in is like when uh, the stunt coordinator Wu Ping was like, 
training all of them, he had to, like, figure out what each person's actual, like, fighting style was. And his thing for Carrie Ann Moss was, like, she has this, like, natural beauty, grace-likeness that I'm going to, like, mix into her fighting style to really accentuate, like, just this natural amazingness that she has or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. Have you. And she's fantastic. Yeah, that opening action scene with her. So incredible. You know, she leaps through the window, down uh, the stairs, onto her back, and she's got the guns up, and she's ready, dude. Yeah. That I shit mean, was awesome. The gunshot... <laughs> Where she's like, dodge this. And, oh, she, and that slow motion. That's iconic. Of him, that's iconic. Iconic. Dodge this is iconic. That's amazing. All right. Uh, we, we're going to just jump right into the review if I don't stop us. Uh, we're having so much fun. Um, so let's do, we're going to transition into what you've been watching. Uh, just a little bit about what we've been watching. I can start that off. Yeah, let's kick it off. Um, what I've been watching. I finished my rewatch of Parks and Rec. It's gold. Holds up. Um, I started Peaky Blinders. Really, really enjoying that. Killian Murphy is awesome. I'm so excited to see where this is going to go. Um, Kevin already finished it, so I've already heard bits and pieces, but I'm super stoked. And I begrudgingly watched an episode of Sister Wives last night because I love to bring the trash to Will's doorstep. <laughs> Don't you just <laughs> skip the begrudgingly thing, okay? <laughs> Nobody forced you to do it. No one twisted your arm Uh, begrudgingly. Sister Wives is a trash show about a plural family, but they are breaking apart now. And the man You gotta stay in. The the patriarch of that family can't keep it together, and everybody hates him now. Of course not. (laughs) But this is on like, this is uh, season maybe like 17 or something. I don't know. Yeah. I watched this in its entirety during lockdown when I was watching anything and everything and it's hilarious now to see how I not hilarious because it's people's lives I guess but hilarious to see how much he has lost it with this family he literally I think referred to himself as the devil uh, in the last one he's like I'm just gonna play this part it's like cool your kids all hate you and you have 40 of them what are you doing uh, I think that's pretty much where I'm at. I, I started rewatching Blade because I felt like it. Um, one of the first notes I made rewatching Matrix was uh, opening nightclub murder scene in Blade, and I was like, I really want to rewatch that. I haven't finished it. I it might be dated, and I don't know that it holds up the way the Matrix does. No, definitely not that good. But uh, I, I love Blade. I no, think I mean I loved Blade too at know, the time. Yeah, we'll see. I'll, I'll finish. It, it's it. also one of those like first. A little ahead of its time in terms of like this superhero thing, oh, 100%. Uh, and it's and it features this like black superhero that is just like crushing the game, uh, and is and is like, I mean Wesley Snipes in that movie is just he was my hero as a kid. I no, just it, wanted it, to be Wesley Snipes my I whole agree. life. I agree. Yeah. I just I don't know that. Um, yes, agreed. Steven Dorff doesn't hold up. I get it. I love Dorff. Let's not talk about Dorff in that way. <laughs> I have been watching uh, Pretty Little Liars for the first time, which if we want to talk YA, we want to talk my time. That was like peak middle school time for me, but I didn't watch it. You didn't watch it during middle school? No, I didn't watch it as it, as it was coming out, and I definitely felt like I was missing out, but I feel like it is like a little bit healing because I did miss it because I was a, I was just I was a dancer growing up. I was at dance class all the time when it was on TV and we didn't have streaming or recording or anything like that. So it was like, oh, well, all my friends are talking about this thing and I'm just, ugh. Let's talk about what I've been watching. I watched a movie called The FP. It was recommended to me by a person who I know at a bar. So not a friend. I feel better about that. But the concept of the movie intrigued me in that it's a movie about Fraser Park and 
gangs, rival gangs who essentially solve their their feuds via doing what is essentially Dance Dance Revolution, but they call it something else because they don't have the rights to that. And that part was like, oh, this could be kind of a humorous comedy. Unfortunately, it's just a bunch of white people, and throughout the movie, they speak in a lingo, and they use, you know, uh, racist slash homophobic language throughout the whole thing, and it was just uncomfortable. So uh, that, that I would say, stay away. Don't do that. Uh, on a more fun note, I've been watching some original Star Trek uh, getting into that, uh, that that is just a bizarre look back at uh, you know th- talk about things that are kind of dated and and you're looking around going, what was it about this show that that had people thinking? And really, the obviously the Spock Kirk relationship is is huge, but each episode is just its own little episode, and it has it's almost like Welcome to the Monkey House, the the Vonnegut. You're you're reading along, and each one has kind of an interesting idea about how societies are formed or how we come into these things uh, and form these processes as as humans or as as aliens and 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 they're all a lot of them are still relevant and it was it was kind of fun to see that which was a lot of fun and then the last one which i know I you and i need to talk that. about and i'm glad you did forget because ahsoka tana Ugh. latest episode 51 minutes Filoni. check it on feloni is is whew, he's coming for it oh those pergos man oh I, I there was a piece of me that was like it felt a little easy, but it was also like he set it up nicely in the episode before, so I yeah. was I was with it. It was also a piece of me that was like, why aren't we bringing? Why isn't Cindula coming? And Chop? Why? What? You know, like she was already on the outs. Yeah. Why is Why isn't she kid. going? I think it's because of the kid. Yeah. I think like last episode, you brought the kid. You Call of Doom things. would want his kid rocking some cool adventures. Am sure, I right? And he's definitely got. Do you watch this show at all? <laughs> I do not. Good on uh, you. He's Good de- on you. You're he's definitely. For it. We'll put the helmet on you, and you'll. Yeah, you'll yeah. We'll that helmet. You. That helmet <laughs> I have is from uh, Rebels. Okay, so perfect. it's my one pure piece of dorkdom that I and it's brandished to the world. Um, no, I think that like rightfully so. In the last episode, when Hera is bringing Jason with her to go out, like find Ahsoka and Sabine, they're in the middle of like nowhere, and everyone's like, "Why would you bring your kid when literally like a few jet like." fighter pilots are just murdered as the hyperdrive like takes place. So like I read a lot of people being like, that's really stupid or whatever. So I feel like maybe that was, she's a mother first and foremost, as much as I would love to see her. I want the whole gang. I feel like it's going to be a good reunion if we get Ezra back or I don't know where Filoni's going. Like somebody could die. I mean, I don't know if there's like an air of like a little bit of darkness in this that is undertone that I'm a little a little scared. I'm into it. <laughs> There's another piece that I think is interesting in terms of a reaction to that uh, that that take on a little kid. Throughout this Star Wars, I mean, even in that episode, Ahsoka Tana is a little kid when she's running through that yes. war. I mean, Padawans are, are, I mean, they're younglings and then they grow up in somewhere in their seemingly 12 or 13 range. They start just being out with their with well, their Jedi leader, taking, in, taking people... Out. I mean, just sure. I mean, like killing dudes. I, I, I think that like this episode did a really <laughs> good job of like showcasing how much like she was a child. Baby Gamora played Baby Ahsoka, and like you can just feel like she's a tiny person in the middle of a brutal war. She is 
got some trauma. And I think Filoni did a really good job of like uh, pleasing people like haters are like, oh, you know, she's a little bit too uh, withdrawn as like like Rosario Dawson's role specifically or portrayal. And I think that this episode did a really good job of showing like she like everybody watched the Clone Wars when it was a cartoon and to see it in live action to see like and put a small child playing that part. You really get to feel the like, oh, no, no. Regardless if she was a Padawan, she's a child who is Absolutely. fighting Maul, killing like all of the separate like that's a lot to hold on to. And now she's a grown ass woman who's dealing with that. That's a really, really, uh, really good point that uh, we talked about a little bit on the last episode of the podcast. This idea of going from you know cartoon to live action and kind of how you deal with things in a cartoon versus how you deal with things in a, in a live action uh you need to have a a tone shift and i think it's really smart uh and i think you're right on point with feloni s- figured that out and was like okay let's show the tone shift so that we're not all going because the sokatana is freaking adorable and fun and plucky in this. But as a cartoon, all that stuff seems to make sense. And in the Clone Wars, a lot of times they were fighting droids, right? So they weren't killing people, people. They were killing droids and and doing that. But still, like, it was smart to kind of show that tone shift. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I totally agree. Anyway, we'll move on. We are going to get a little bit of fashion talk. Fashion. I figured this is your first time seeing The Matrix, Megan. Oh, yeah. And it is very dated dated but also to us. I, I feel like to us it's dated and it's and it's everything that that i see coming back around oh yeah and going i've made this mistake i've tried to do that i certainly wasn't good looking enough to pull it off uh, <laughs> other people did at the time and were good looking enough and you're like good on you well done keanu well done carrie on moss uh but what did you see what was what kind of stuck out to you in the fashion of this movie oh yeah Or costuming, Um, I guess is a better way to say that. For sure. I mentioned this earlier, but in my head the whole time it was kind of like big jacket, tiny glasses. Um, (laughs) No, absolutely. Absolutely. Big jacket, tiny glasses. Um, But I loved it. I also do want to touch on the androgyny of the whole thing, which Nora kind of brought up earlier, specifically with Trinity. But I think like all of the characters really embodied a level of androgyny that I appreciated. It's like we're all in leather. It's all breathable like we can not that leather's breathable but you know I mean, what I mean like actuality it was yeah 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 <laughs> it's like all like fighting clothing and it's not you know um I yeah. mean they look cool they, they look, look cool. sick as hell and also when I mean when when they're on the Nebuchadnezzar too though they're all like in like loose wool whatever like nobody looks sexy in the real world either it's like they're all kind of in this very gender neutral attire and 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 they say it on the show they this is your mind's idea of what you look like right so it's it has nothing to do with what the outside world tells you you should look like it's just whatever you think in your mind you want to look like and i love that a a character like carrie ann moss was like yeah this is i this my personality fits this look and it is androgynous uh it it you know it it is badass uh and 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 there's still some sex appeal to all of that as well you know what i mean they weren't like hey androgyny is just like bland bland and ugly it's like no androgyny is fucking Badass. Badass and good looking and, and looks great. uh you know, sexual awakenings all around. You know what I mean? Everyone yeah. gets one. You know what I mean? It's like Oprah and Ham, you know what I mean? Just handing them out <laughs> under the seats. You get one. You get one. You, you get, get one. Awakened. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if she did ham, but she probably did some hams under the seats. She did cars. At least at Christmas. I also think that even though it was 
the 90s and it was androgynous I think it is very like the style was very distinct to the Matrix movie like if someone were to appear in a trench coat and tiny glasses or like in a lot of leather I would be very closely associated with the Matrix even though I'd never seen the movie you know I do think that that partially though is because the Matrix became so big that that is how everybody's focus goes to because Mm -hmm. uh we all collectively know somebody who wore a leather coat to play Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park when we all dressed up at work last year and then also said, hey, I got the coat. I can do Neo this year. So uh, I I do think that is in the 90s, there was a lot of leather and tiny glasses. uh, But The Matrix obviously became so huge that I think that that it overcompasses yeah. uh, the rest of it. If I was allowed to play any character in The Matrix, uh, Morpheus. (laughs) I'd be Morpheus for sure. Uh, you know, it's not allowed. You know, but like, I'd do it. Hey, do you know that? That'd be the uh, guy because he was my favorite. I love Morpheus in those. Ones. I mean, Lawrence, and he, he gets even more badass in the second one. We can get into that when we get to acting. He's my dude. Uh, I love Morpheus. He's great. True believer. Let's move on. So, we're gonna jump into this. I'm gonna do Letterbox. We're gonna get to the main show, the big show, the Matrix show. Letterbox is gonna be. I'm gonna do Letterbox. Nora Kramer, QB, Queen of Beers. QB. You're going to get that 30 on the board? I'm ready to You ready for it? 30-foot pass for a, a touchdown, right? That's what QBs do. <laughs> you know what? Let's just go Queen of Beers. You know what I mean? let's, not, let's, not, let's not make these metaphors awkward by not understanding them. I understand football. <laughs> I mean like football. Uh, <laughs> All right, The Matrix. Here we go. Letterbox. I'm going to try and do this up to Ian's standards. The Letterbox. Matrix, 1999, directed by Lily and Alana Wachowski. Welcome to the real world. Set in the 22nd century, The Matrix tells the story of a computer hacker who joins a group of underground insurgents fighting the vast and powerful computers that now rule the Earth. It is 136 minutes. It is rated R. You can get it on HBO Max or on Peacock. Does that make sense to you guys? Uh, if you don't know who's in this, the cast is Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving, uh, Joey Pants, Marcus Chong, Anthony Ray Parker, Matt Doran, Gloria Foster, and many other very talented people. You ready for 30 on the board? I'm ready. Did I miss anything? Uh, we, is the boss man going to get mad at me? Uh, no, I think you, I, I don't know. I just got to do it. I just got to good to me. It did sound good, right? I think it's fine. <laughs> it did. I, I, I you know, I'm bad. not a great reader. Uh, <laughs> so I felt pretty good at just about the reading aspect of it. I was like, wow, you read that well, Will. All right. 30 on the board. Ready to go, Kramer? I'm ready to go. On three. One, two, three. All right. So this is a movie about a man who's a little adrift in his life. He has... No direction. He's looking for a deeper meaning. When offered the deep, deeper meaning, he chooses to find out and go down the rabbit hole. There, he finds out that the world is actually a dystopian nightmare, and he uh, has like everybody is human batteries. They are just fuel for the machines. He might be chosen to be the one to save them all. I don't, that's all I got. <laughs> We win again. Nice. <laughs> nice. That. And I, I hit pause before the old alarm went off. Uh, today's was, a good day. I heard day. that you got in trouble for that on the last episode. Yeah, yeah. I've been... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Big Daddy gave me a spanking. Right. Uh, I don't and, appreciate that Ian is now it. becoming Big Daddy. We know who we Big did. Daddy yeah, is. Yeah, that's you. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I got so many Big Daddies in my life. Am I right? The last I time right? I called him Big Daddy, you <laughs> said, no, you're Big Daddy. She's the <laughs> Megan is literally the one who gave me the nickname Big Daddy. Yeah, that's true. That's big, actually. I think if I bestow you as Big Daddy, that's pretty yeah, 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 You yeah, actually yeah, did. Yeah. I did. I know. <laughs> I apologize. QB Big Daddy. <laughs> you know, like, one's not good enough for you. You're going to be everything. You know, he's a larger father. That's all I'm saying. All right. If you haven't been with us before, super simple. We do everything one through five. One is the worst. Five is the best. We have five categories. That's action, acting, story, directing, and gut. Gut? Gut. 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 Nice. We're in. Okay. Uh, Before we get started on this, we, uh, Nora brings up a wonderful point. We need to know who we are in the matrix. And the only way to know that is to know if you take the red pill and you deal with reality, or if you take the blue pill and you decide the matrix is where you want to live and you're okay being ignorant. Ignorance is bliss, right? That's essentially the that's what Joey Pants wants. Joey Pants wanted it. He wanted that bliss again. We're going to start. And there's no shame in either one. Let's be honest. There's moments in my life where I'm like, that blue pill doesn't sound so bad. You know what I mean? I saw that mush. I saw that mush they were eating. <laughs> it's not exciting. There's nothing exciting about that. I saw that red-ass steak. That looked exciting. That looked exciting. <laughs> it did look exciting. We're going to start with our guest, Megan. Megan, where are you at? You got a red pill in your hand. I do have a red pill. My microphone is red. Um, I think I am a red pill person through and through, almost to a fault. I've been through phases. If you knew me like in college or previously, big eco-warrior was like not eating meat, made my own face wash. Like Wow. Right. Like really intense. I think my entire life has actually been like, wow, please chill on the red pill. You can have a blue pill sometimes as a treat. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I'm a big red pill person, but almost to the point where it's like, please actually take that magnesium and B12 and chill out. <laughs> That's actually what the blue pill's made of. People don't know that. <laughs> Magnesium and B12. That's all it was. That's all it was. That's probably why myself, uh, I'm also a red pill person. I mean, I don't take pills, let's be honest. Vitamins? What? Yeah. yeah. You just told me there was vitamins in the blue pill, so definitely not. No, I'm a red red pill person because um, I specifically have to get to the bottom of things. I'm a very, like, I need to know answers. I will not be able to, I mean, like, I know, granted, they say you can wake up and you'll never, you can think whatever you want, but then the looming idea that I could just still be thinking about something forever, maybe, like, he didn't, Morpheus does not say specifically, like, you'll wake up and you won't remember us having, like, You'll never have this urge to search again. He says, like, you'll wake up and you can think whatever you want about this. I, I, my brain would just be constantly thinking about it. So getting the answers, getting to the bottom of something, that's me. I, I hate that I'm a red pill person. I'd love to just live in a blissful ignorance. But that is not my brain. So red pill. Yeah, I would say that, uh, oh, man, there's a couple things. I feel like I feel like the blue pill is just like... It's just a, a, a veil of my depression, right? So I, there's a piece of it that's just a, a matter of 
you know, I lay on my couch and I decide that I'm a blue pill today and I'm going to watch TV and ignore the rest of my life that I need to deal with, the reality I need to deal with. But when it comes to like personal interactions and people and things like that, like I'm a red pill through and through. I, I want, I, I want to have the discussion. I want sometimes to my own, uh, fault or to to the to the hindrance of a relationship i want to like discuss and debate things uh down to the logic and the and the understanding versus just kind of letting that go over me and be like you know what, let's just take a deep breath and and accept the things we can or can't control uh, so i have some of that in me that's just like i need to be why 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 are we doing this why is that happening why are these things going on so that piece of me is very red pill and sometimes i'm like you i need to just turn red pill off for a second release control which i'm not good at and be blue pilly and just be like cool the other thing about the blue pill is a little to nora's point no one said i mean we know what the blue pill is We've been living the blue pill. So if I was Neo living in that shabby little apartment, all clutter festered, you know what I mean? I'd be like, ugh, we can do better, I think. I think we might be able to do better. You know, I don't have any friends. You know what I mean? I, I sit around in my house making some sort of I, I, viruses. I don't know what he's producing. I think it's, he's doing like uh, like specific like coding. And I think it's implied it's um, like... Like shit you so- can't get soft- somewhere. Software, software that is going Jacked. to... Yeah, I mean, this is the era of hackers. So, like, right. this is before the internet is the way that we know it now. So, like, people could hack into different things or create programs that, like, so whatever the guys that he meets in the beginning, whatever software he developed for them. I mean, the Got company he works for is a software company called, like, right. Metacortex or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, he's yeah. doing, like, menial bullshit there, yeah. what he does behind A play the on the Cortex brain, yes. but it's spelled C-O-R-T-E-C-H as mm-hmm. well E-X kind of fun i saw that i saw them i had to pause it two times to like read the building but i, I had to like back there it is uh, i'm not very good with the um, remote. yeah but seemingly he doesn't have any i mean like he doesn't have any friends uh he he's so lonely he will i mean he's searching for something so obviously he's gonna follow the white yeah. rabbit tattoo which i want to say not a real tattoo that was painted on with like that was one of the worst tattoos uh rin, like I've ever seen. Uh, and I like maybe, that you're upset about that. Uh, I like that I, that's where the suspension of disbelief happens I, I for you. I wrote it in my notes before I stopped <laughs> taking notes. They try and I was like, that's play not that a real tattoo. Because it's just like, white is such a weird color. Oh, it's a hard tattoo color. And maybe that was, and maybe I just don't know a lot of people that in the 90s got white tattoos. I don't really remember it being a thing. It looked a little Ren Fairy. But it, it, it looked very like somebody just put a little bit of white makeup on, yeah. on an arm. So kudos to makeup artists who have come a long way with fake tattoos for uh, people in movies. Long story short, red pill. Red pill. So we're all red pill. We're all red pillars. Which is interesting because pillars. the Wachowskis said that they would, I think both in interviews have said they would take the blue pill. Yeah. No, I mean, red pill is the unknown and is going to be hard. And it is hard. Although, once you hit Zion in the second movie, you're like, oh, that's going to rock. We're not talking about the second movie. I, I like being like in a big cave with people. I love that. So, all right, let's get into it. All right, let's jump into action here. Megan, you're going to go second. <laughs> Nora, you're first. I'm going to lead this off. Uh, starting with my rating, I'm going five. Full five. Full five. Full five on action. Full, full, 
Full five. Full five on action. Um, this movie, I think, uh, changed action movies uh, in America entirely. Um, bringing in um, famous in Hong Kong, Wu Ping, to come in and teach. Uh, they, like The actress had to do four plus months of training uh, to learn like wire foo. Mm-hmm. And all of the stunts, they really threw themselves into it. I think uh, the mixture of practical effects and uh, all of the CGI at the time was revolutionary. Uh, I feel like all of the action holds up. Maybe not like, I, I don't know. I think it's just the right level amount of action for me. I was enthralled. I still am rewatching it. It looks badass. Uh, every fight scene I'm in for, uh, everything Trinity does, I'm obsessed with. I think uh, the amount of it, like I watched all of the special features and the amount of like commitment that Carrie Ann Moss and Hugo Weaving and Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne put into their training, uh, I think comes across really well on screen. I mean, Keanu Reeves is a perfectionist. Carrie Ann Moss like sprained her or like twisted her ankle, I think during the lobby scene, which again, iconic. That scene is insane. Um, she twisted her ankle and didn't want to tell anybody because she didn't want to be recast. She didn't want to do all this stuff. So she just like kept doing the moves because she needed like, if you break down that scene, there was so many practical effects of like bullets coming out that they like had to nail their takes because they couldn't like reset that scene in the moment. So the level that they all put into it, uh, I think comes across like really well. And so I'm a full five. Yeah. Um, I am also a full five, uh, as kind of like we said earlier, action isn't necessarily my genre. Um, but I feel like even as not an action person, I saw aspects or like tropes from a bunch of different fighting styles in this movie. So I saw like Westerns, I saw, um, like the, the just like all kind of different stunts and and fighting styles within this movie and as a not necessarily action person I was like drawn in enthralled the entire time I also kind of side note liked that there wasn't too too much gore I think you know what I mean like with all the bullets with all the people dying it wasn't like blood splattering everywhere which I'm okay with sometimes but like not necessarily what I wanted to see in this movie and I, I think that was perfect I'm going to go with a four on action. Damn. I, I mean, I I don't disagree with anything that you guys have said. I feel like it gets a four in action partially because <laughs> it, it's, while it's the first thing we've seen it, at that time, it was revolutionary in America you go back and you look at some of the the you know the the Hong Kong films and some of those things and and a lot of this stuff was being done and being done really well and I think that there's a lot of really iconic shots obviously the the helicopter Gatling gun shot where that you're seeing this stuff fall and some of those jumps and and all of that stuff was really really good and and I can easily talk myself into a five. And and there there's so many iconic moments in this with the the running up walls and around walls and and jumping over people and and, and maybe maybe part of me because so much of that stuff has become a little cliche now this was the original and and they were punching it up 
and it is it is intense and and those fights with the with the with the smiths and and mr anderson are awesome there's a nudge of and i've seen a lot of action movies and and in terms of all out action in terms of your your you know ong box or your the raid or some of these movies where you're just like this movie is just start to finish it's like a it's like dance choreography so it's start to finish just and this doesn't have as much of that and it's got a lot of really awesome parts that those movies don't have but for me pure action it's a four and granted there's a lot of cool stuff in this movie they do a lot of running around and I, you know like i wish we had like a and this will kind of get talked about in directing the sets in this movie are really cool i love the sets in this movie uh and and there's a lot of good stuff but i stay grounded at a four you know 4.5 4.5 action 4.5 action um the, the reason I was going to interrupt you was just because uh, seemingly like this is your action podcast. So it makes sense that like you are a person that wants a full on amount of action as a person who I would say for myself, I'm a middle ground action person. I grew up watching it. I like it. I'm not full deep dive into it. This is the perfect amount of action for me. Although I do love the raid and I love movies like that. I felt like this. So I understand what I'm saying is I understand where your ratings coming from. I think you're right. It's the right amount of action for this movie. The action is not too much, not too little for this movie. I just know how far action can go. And so I, so I guess in my brain, I'm thinking in terms of action everywhere. This is a 4.5, but still if, if I was to rate in like, perfect for this movie this might bump to a five because you make a great point for the movie that we're in it's the right amount of action and the right amount of of you know excitement within that action so kudos uh let's move back into acting so these are action movies megan you're gonna go first on acting because i feel like you are you're a theater kid through and through oh yeah you love the acting for sure where are we at i think the like all of the main characters did a fantastic job. I think there are um, there are some lines in there that are like so action movie camp that I love. And I think they were all handled so gracefully. Um, like if I had to film those lines, I would have been like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what, the fuck? What, a, what a fucking dumb line. <laughs> right. But I think they all embodied their characters so well to the point where I was like, I would have laughed having to say that, but I, I didn't have to laugh at you saying that, which is great. Which means they're doing well. Which job. means they're doing really great. Um, I think some of the, I'm just thinking about the scene at the very beginning with the detective and the police officers. And I don't know who, like who they hired as these like kind of extras, like tiny characters, but they were all so camp to me. I mean, I feel like I, w- I for me, I was probably going to touch on this, but I can, uh, is I, I don't know if like all of the actors that are in the matrix, like all of the cops or the people, if they're intentionally supposed to be that campy because it's a, like a simulation. So in my head, like while I'm trying to figure out like a rating for this in my head, I'm like, is that an intentional choice from them to make them be like that? Or was it just bad? Right. Like the cop, I feel like in that very first scene almost has like a transatlantic like camp like cop accent yeah. where he's like, but we sent in two units. And the agent is like, 
They're already dead. Right, literally. And the cop is like, she's just a little girl, LOL. And the agent is like, you fucked up. Yeah, like some like noir detective like in the 50s. I got a bum ticker. I think there's just some, yeah, like some smaller characters that are really camp. And I like, but other than that, like Mouse so could have easily been a character that I was like, God, this is so fucking stupid. But I feel like the actor embodied it so well that I was like, I can't hate you. You know what I mean? So I think the acting is like, Oh, I feel like it's a four. I was like, maybe I'll give it. I, I, yeah, I know my. I don't know. I've, I'm feeling like my ratings are really high, but it's a great movie. I think the acting is a four. I think mine is also. I think I'm gonna land on a four. Um, debated about going slightly lower, but I'm gonna go with a four. I think that everybody who is in the main cast is slain. Like they, for the most part, everybody's doing it. Hugo Weaving nails that kind of monotone like i'm nothing i'm a a computer program uh lawrence fishburne insanely awesome uh keanu i think is like at the point in his career where like this movie really gave him the outlet to do what he can do now i've always loved keanu but i feel like he quite hadn't quite figured out his skin yet when this came out and this is like this is the last one of the last ones for me where like now he kind of, he's got his rhythm. He knows what he's doing. So like he's a little whatever. Uh, Carrie Moss can do no wrong for me. She's amazing. But like, I get what Megan was saying about like, I could not genuinely tell if like that, like I feel like maybe it was intentional, but like everybody outside of the main cast, I felt like didn't really, I mean like not talking about like, the crew on the Nebuchadnezzar or anything like that. But like all the side characters, I couldn't tell if it was intentional choices or not. And so that's, that's my four. I'm at a close to a full five. (laughs) I like the acting in this. And because I do think that it was a choice by the Wachowskis, Wachowskis, to do that, I think I think the one that kind of when I rewatched it and I was he his boss when his boss is like we're gonna have to let you go if you don't pick up your stuff has almost a Mr. Anderson vibe and and again they they mention it in the eating scene. How do we know that the computers know what a person would talk like? That makes the, sense. There's a simulated piece to this that. That, that should be slightly off to it. And again, we'll get in, I think this lends to the directors being so good at, at putting this together, but I, I'm going to go for, I think that everyone on the Nebuchadnezzar is awesome. You know, tank and his brother Dozer. are Dozer are fantastic. Yeah. They're wonderful. They have such heart without having much, to do in lines you're just you're you're with them and want them to to succeed oh my, when switch we, when switch is dying and she like or when they're all like at yeah. the end and she's just like not like this right not like and then dead. yeah 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 and it's like even that like it, it pulls at your heartstrings i mean yeah, it's like they're got, they're a family i got goose pimples um and i don't want to goose I don't, pimples? goosebumps People call them goose pimples elsewhere. East Coast? No, I call them goosebumps, but I went pimples this time just because it felt good. It sounds Follow gross. your heart. Yeah, it yeah, does yeah. Follow, Megan it is judging gross. me hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Megan, so, what do they say in Kansas? 
Goosebumps. Yeah, they say they say we're not in Kansas anymore. That's what they say. <laughs> no one's ever made that joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not saying original. I'm just saying I'm still here. Right. <laughs> um, so my 4.5 Keanu's great. Carrie Ann Moss is Wait, wonderful. You went 4.5. You said four. You're right. Four. Uh, Keanu Reeves is great. Carrie Ann Moss. You started with a five. You started with a five. I on said acting. I'm close to a five. Oh, four okay. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So four is really what I'm going with. Hugo Weaving. This is like a coming out party for Hugo Weaving. Before this, you didn't know who that dude was. Unless you were from Australia. Unless you were from Australia. And I was not. <laughs> Just so you guys know, mate. Uh, I was not. And this was before Lord of the Rings where he becomes iconic for Elrond. So like this well, was... he did. I don't think he gets Elrond without this. Like that's yes. the same... His, that voice becomes V for Vendetta. That voice becomes yes. iconic. The Hugo Weaving Which the Wachowskis also wrote the screenplay for V for Vendetta. Oh, well I done. believe so. I could be wrong. Fact check me. Well anyone. done. I'm, I'm, I don't have facts or checking. That was for the audience. Yes. Thank you, audience. Uh, and then Larry Fishburne, Lawrence, whatever you want to call him, awesome in this. Everyone's so good in this. You know, full four. Had a great time. E- even the even the other Mr. Smiths, the ones that look a little like Conan O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that one does. Yeah, like the, it's like, like a yeah. non-ginger Conan. Yeah, I kept I kept being like, wait, which is which? And then I kept yeah. being like, well done, well done on the casting. You know what I mean? <laughs> well done on the casting. Uh, so yeah, full four on this. Let's keep mo- keep it moving. Well, directing. So if you don't know, this was directed by uh, Lana and Lily Wachowski. At the time, they were Larry and Andy. Uh, they have since transitioned uh, into uh, women. And it's it's an interesting. I think I think you could probably look into this, and and I think you have Megan. So I'll let you speak on this a little bit. Uh, I think a lot of this movie is affected by by where they were at and where they were headed. But I'll let you kind of take over on that a little bit. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I went down in like a little internet rabbit hole today on um, the Matrix as a trans allegory, um, and. Um, Emily Vanderwerf of Vox talks a lot about this, but, um, just the idea that like trans people specifically, but a lot of people within the queer community and how being online versus offline can help you, um, kind of come to terms with your identity. So how a lot of like trans people or queer people will make these online personas or online identities, um, that kind of help them discover like I'm presenting as a woman in this chat room and it feels a lot better to me like than how I present in Mary Life or whatever. Um, and I know in the Matrix is kind of switched, but I think um, I think the Wachowskis like probably were experiencing something similar around the time of directing this. And I know they couldn't necessarily make it as explicit within the Matrix, but like I know we talked about earlier with the character of Switch and how um, they originally wanted that character to have two different actors, one male, one female, so that like within the Matrix and without – uh, within the matrix and then in reality it was like two there were two different genders which i think kind of really um translates to like a queer experience in real life of like you're one thing online versus in real life and then that can help translate of like well coming out of your shell or like coming into reality can be really hard it can be really painful but it is who you really are it's so fulfilling so i think that's a really important thing to talk about or think about when you're talking about the directing of this where it's like even though they weren't out yet even though they weren't fully transitioned yet obviously this movie um is like so heavily influenced by the 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 trans experience yeah um i think it also 
in terms of like the internet, it was taken on. We kind of talked about this earlier um, by like a, a bad crowd on the internet. Um, and I think it's really just like amazing that it has been able to be reclaimed back by the like queer community. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's all I got. Yeah. No, I mean uh, to go off of what you're saying too, like uh, especially about the, the character of switch, like, um, they wanted that, like you said, to be two different genders. And I, we have to remember this movie came out in 1999. And to lead into my whole uh, conversation about the directors themselves, uh, they're from my hometown, Chicago. There's a lot of like secret Chicago references in this movie. There's like nods to street names and trains and area codes, um, which is I love to see little secret hidden notes for people that are from that area. Um, but... Uh, I have met Lily Wachowski. She's come in a, a couple different places that I worked. Wonderful person. She lived around the corner from me. Um, I, I'm personally uh, giving directing a five across the board. I've watched so much about the process that they went into this. And it is like an incredible story where like they were heavily influenced by lots of different things like anime, comic books, Hong Kong films, like so much different stuff. And when they came up with the idea, I think they were originally trying to come up with a comic book pitch. And then they came up with this story. They wanted to make it. No uh, studio was going to make this movie. So they went out and then they made um, that neo-noir lesbian thriller. Um, oh my God. Why am I not remembering? Bound. Bound. Oh, with uh, I didn't realize that was them. Yeah, uh, so they uh, made that first. Rachel Tilly and yes. uh, Gina Gershon. Yes, exactly. Great movie. Um, they made that first. That was their directorial. Apparently, I know stuff. <laughs> Thank you for getting me. <laughs> uh, they made that first to like kind of prove that they were like they could do it, and then Jennifer Tilly. Jennifer Tilly. Sorry. Um, they made that movie. It was pretty small, and then after that, like. Joel Silver, who is, like, a very well-known producer in action movies and very, like, kind of for his whole filmography. But, like, he read the script and was like, this is great. I don't know how we're going to get this made. Um, To the point where, like, they storyboarded every shot of this movie before it came out. Like, it is the level of, like, if you see the graphics of, like, the storyboards, they got most of those shots done exactly as they wanted them to be done and having them be like uh partners in this they would like walk around the sets and be like have one person acting it out and then the other one would come with like where they would want the camera they like literally took their minds and what they wanted and like pushed to get those exact shots on screen and uh if you dive into the rabbit hole of Learning anything about how this movie was made, it's incredible to watch because I don't think most people, especially filmmakers who are, like, writing and coming up with a concept that at the time nobody was going to, like, actually, like, big budget studios were not going to pick this movie up. It was confusing. So I give them a full five. They, I think, nailed it uh, and got their image put on a screen and it holds up 25 years later. I... Well, I didn't get your score, Megan. Though. Oh yeah, score as a full five. No, no question. Oh, Thank I'm you. a I'm a full five as well. Full five. Full five as well. Uh, the fives across the board, guys. Going back and rewatching this film with, and we mentioned this earlier, with that expectation that maybe this was going to be dated or feel dated or or what have you, and 
everything holds up. I mean, all the shots are perfect. All the, I mean, I don't know who their art director was, but given that you're saying they'd already storyboarded half of this stuff, I'm guessing they had a lot. They they had a lot of input into what that was going to look like. Uh, you know, the way they dress the sets, the way they do everything. The the that first shot of them coming up the stairs uh, in that kind of like overhead shot is so cool looking. Uh, you know, the way they crafted the movie in order to kind of like tell the story and get us where we needed to go, and to see what they were able to do, and to see the way they were able to kind of construct this Megan yeah um oof I forgot about the love story I will say that was the one part that I was like oh, they have to be in love do they do they have to be in love he's the one he's the one and she's the one who'll fall in love with the one and he won't be the one unless they fall in love which is kind of an interesting piece of that until she accepts her love for him he's nothing He's Which nobody. We never really see. It's he's usually hot, the opposite, guy's hot trash. Right? Guy's hot trash. Right. He's just he's dead. Literally yeah. on the floor. Right. He's dead. That's true. She Her restarts power his heart. Gives of love. him the so ability. is she not the one? Well, if you watch our episode <laughs> on the newest Matrix, I can't remember. They that are movie. both the one. <gasps> Huge twin sons. What did they call that? What? Oh, twin flame. Twin flame. Anyway. Twin flames. Season two, episode one. The Matrix, uh, the newest Matrix. We did it. Resurrection. No big deal. Check out that episode. Uh, I'm did pl- you think they I'm were plugging done? it right now, Ian. I'm doing it for you. You told me to. All right, keep it going. Yeah. I, I'm sure there's more context to the love, but I will say I was, like, I hate to say that my initial reaction to, like, them being in love was kind of like, ugh, like, I was annoyed. I was like, why does anybody have to be in love? I'm too, like, we're too busy to be in love, right? I just went through a divorce. So apparently, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm going to be real. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to give story a 4.5. And here's, okay. I think the love thing bothered me because I didn't, I didn't see it coming. I was kind of like, wait, they, neither of these characters need that. They are like so fully fledged on their own. And maybe in the sequels it plays out and it's nice and like all that jazz. But just isolated, I was kind of like, wait, like normally I love romance. Normally I love like smut, all that jazz. But like, that's not, that's actually like the one thing I didn't want right here. Like we've got bigger problems, folks. Um, so I can understand. The machines have taken over. Right. <laughs> not to cut you off, but I do think it like, there is like a lot of alluding to it. I mean, like we could argue that Joey Pants decides to betray them all because of his jealousy of Neo and his like lust for Trinity where he like, there is some deleted scenes allegedly where like he explains to Neo that Morpheus has like been on this search trying to find the one and has failed before is Joey pants. Was he supposed to be the one? Did he like, did like, was there like a weird thing with him in Trinity where like they were supposed to fuck? I don't know. I'm just, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I didn't watch the deleted scenes though. So I didn't like, get any of that. and like, it was one of those things where towards the beginning of the movie, I was like, I know they're going to fall in love and I know I'm going to be annoyed about it. You know what I mean? Because the whole movie, I was like, yeah, there's so much going on. I will say, pivoting away from romance in terms of story, it did move really quickly, which I think is kind of refreshing. Um, but I do think there were kind of some moments where I was like, okay, wait, whiplash, we're in a new world and now he's training and he's training for what? Because he's the, he's a what? He's a one. And it's like, I think... I think maybe this is like more of a, a like a modern take. I think you could have split the first half into like two movies technically. Um, I don't think it needed to be that, but I think it was all, it was all very quick. 
Like the explanation of the matrix versus reality, like he woke up in that pod and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like, oh my fucking God. Like I obviously didn't know what the matrix was, had never seen the movie and was kind of like, holy fucking shit. Like we're really cranking here. <laughs> like, Well, yeah. And, and, and I think if I can dive into story a little bit, the, there's, there's some pieces to, I mean, it's a, it's a really efficiently told story mm-hmm. and, and I appreciate that because you're trying to build a world, do the thing get out all in, you know, to, to and change essentially. So they do a really good job of getting a lot of information out about a story and keeping the action going and doing all these things. And some of that I relate into that directing piece of it in order like, how do we, how do we get, how do we get a lot of exposition out of the way while also keeping the action moving? And they did a pretty good job with that. I agree. The love story and I, and I don't, to be honest with you, like when I think back about the movie, like there's not much, I mean, they, they allude at the love story, but they don't really do a lot with the love story. It's just, you know, that she's supposed to fall in love with the, the one. And she's kind of looking at him like, that's the dude. Uh, I love and, that. and, and he's kind of looking at her like, am I the dude? Yeah. Uh, you know, like a little like, well, I'm so unassuming. And she's like, maybe that's why I love you because you don't assume you're not a, you're not a D bag. Um, I I probably just go four for story. I I think I might have been lower, but I think what you talked about with the trans allegory and some of that stuff that I was not necessarily aware of before this, uh, I think is really like compelling and interesting. And and going back and watching it uh, with that in mind uh, and with the understanding uh, when I did watch it uh, about Alana and Lily's journey, uh, you know, and, and transition that that made a lot of this uh, an interesting undertone to this movie that, that it, that was just kind of like, oh, there's layers here. There's richness here that, that I really enjoyed. So I, I am, I think I'm at a four. What have I said so far? For everything? Four. You're at four. Four, nice. So yeah, I would say, I would say I'm at a four. I'm not a full five on story. You know, there's, there's a lot that they've ripped off. You know what I mean? This is a Jesus story. This is a, a you know, a, a Messiah story on some level. And, and they do a lot of those very tried and true bits to that, that it's like, yeah, we've, we've seen this before, but you know, there's again with some of that, that kind of, you know, undertone. And then also the way they tell it is efficient and well done. And I agree. There is some whiplash to it. It's like, Oh, there's a moment where you go, I came out of this movie going, wait, what's Zion? How does this world work? Like, are we in tubes? Where are we in this world? What you've you've mentioned that they're down in the core somewhere. Like, like they don't get off that ship and really tell you what that world looks like at all. And that left questions in my brain at moments going, wait, what I don't understand. Are we always in the ship? Is there a place where humans exist? Um, what is all this stuff? Where are we? And I think some of that stuff is left for the second and third one, which knowing that you might go, okay, I forgive it in this one. But if you're just making one movie and you might not get a second movie, that might be something we explore a little more. Or if you create that kind of, I need the answers, maybe that's what gets you the funding to see another movie. True. Yeah. Leave them wanting more for sure. 
For sure. I do think I have like one more thing on story um, about talking about how I was thinking it was going to be outdated, but I think now it's more relevant than ever. I think these like questions of red pill, blue pill, existential dread are at this point with like TikTok, Instagram, like social media in general are so um, like they are so shoved in our face all the time that it's almost like existential dread in this form is a joke. And I feel like this movie at the time when you weren't constantly being fed this, like these questions of like, I've been on TikTok for two hours and that's my life. And did I just waste it? And oh my God, like, am I a TikTok is a matrix. Oh, totally. And so I think it's like so relevant now. And I feel like that's why I did give it such a high score is it, like I thought it would be outdated, but I feel like it's almost more relevant now than it was then of like, like I think then I don't know how, I guess I, I, like I said, I was barely alive. So I don't know how much people were talking about like, are we headed towards late stage capitalism? And then now we're like, ah, we're all in late stage yeah, capitalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been in late stage capitalism for about 40 well, years. You have, to, you have to remember too, like the people, Will is kind of, he dances the line between Gen X and millennial. Um, but like. Cuspy. Cuspy, as you like to call it. But, like, Gen Xers are uh, naturally... Like, this movie, I feel like, was made specifically with Gen Xers in mind. Um, and I think that, like, this... The the way, the way reason why it's so weird to, like, rewatch this and see that it still holds up just also kind of, like, puts you in your own existential dread because you're like, wow, it's been 25 years and the things that are happening or thing like uh, parallels or whatever was happening when this movie came out. Now we're introducing like a new generation to watching this movie. And you, as that said, new generation are like, no, 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 this all makes sense. Did you guys not feel that back then? And you're like, no, 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 we did. And then like right after this movie, all this crazy shit happened and has happened for most of our adult lives. And we felt it in just a different way. Yeah. You know, like online at that moment was so brand new. And so like exciting and fun. Right. It was a frontier on some level. And and to come back around to what that frontier has become is interesting in that it wasn't at all maybe what we suspected. But in a lot of ways, it has chased us into a life of of, – of AI or a life of a life yeah. that doesn't exist. We, we live on a line that, that isn't actually a reality right. that it just, just presupposes a reality that we want to either, either we want to project to the world or we want to see projected back at us, totally. which is so, yeah. So fascinating. Ooh, wait. So let's do gut. Let's do gut. 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 Who wants to go first? I'll go. It's five. It's five for me too. I'm also a five. I knew all the lines coming and I still freaking enjoyed them. Dodge this, motherfucker. Oh, such. Iconic. Man, if I could jump through that screen and just, yeah, like, just kiss her. Oh. Oh. It would be rapey if I did it, but like, I get what you're saying. I, I mean, obviously I wouldn't ask. <laughs> no, you should. You, <laughs> I don't think she'd not think, let you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anyone is forced to kiss on that woman. That woman would beat the shit out of you as soon as you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I'd be dead, but yeah, yeah. be nice. <laughs> be nice. You know, I've, I've been killed by worse for sure. We got a couple things to do before we get out of here. First of all, we got to do totals. Tote, 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 totals. We're going to get Nora Kramer, Queen B, Queen Beer, Beer Queen. That's what it is. Queen of Beers. Queen B. Oof. Cute. I almost called you Beyonce. Um, no big <laughs> deal. Beyonce. <laughs> no big deal. Uh, let them know what we're doing. Uh, so before gut, we are at 
Uh, Will, you got a 17.5. Before gut. Before gut. That's a good. I'm at 19. <laughs> Megan is at a 18.5. So I am leading the pack right now. <laughs> um, so our totals across the board are 22.5 for Uncle Will. Uncle Willie. Myself, QB, 24. And Meg. Meg's got a 23.5. Ooh, feel the burn burning over Woo! here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I almost went full fives across the board. A couple things we want to do. Megan, let us know anything you want to plug, anything you want to talk about. Sure. You can follow my regular Instagram, which is Megan underscore burning. Or uh, I have a monthly theme cult if you will cults we love them nora and kind of will are in the cult like he's a healthy skeptic uh which all cults need um but it's called fairy lover 99 lover is spelled l-u-v-r we have a website we have an instagram you guys do get really, on the mailing list you guys do really cool monthly mailings you have yeah. quizzes yeah. It, you have a theme for each month like it's yeah. a rad thing it's, it's super super awesome thank you for having it up really no, creative it's, it's really super fun awesome. super funny uh, if you like powerpoints and you want somebody to just tell you how to live your life for a month <laughs> check this out because it is amazing and each month is very thoughtful and Really, really awesome uh, and hilarious. Story five. Story five on that Story one. Five. I would give it fives across the board. Thanks. Uh, you know, I don't direct. I mean, I, I, not the- I don't know how the acting is. I haven't seen the <laughs> right. acting. Right. Acting the sometimes action is good, though. The action's really solid. One more time on the Instagram Fairy Lover 99, spelled Fairy L U V R 99. All right. Well, thank you both for coming on. Thank you for being my co-host. Thank, thank you. you for being a wonderful guest. <laughs> as such a thoughtful. Uh, I can never be Ian, but I will always try. And whether or not we are enemies, we'll find out. Yeah. Agreed. We'll Agreed. I love you, Ian. All right. If you guys want to um, know what we're doing next week, stay tuned afterwards. Ian, in our post wrap-up, will tell you what is going on just after the music, so stay tuned for that. We'll let you know what's happening next week. If you want to check out more Matrix stuff, we did do in Season one, 2, Episode 1, Matrix, the newest Matrix. What Resurrection. Are they? Resurrection. There you go. So you can check that out as well. It was a fun podcast and a kind of a trash movie. But um, All right. There is a... Baby in a human pod in the oven. (laughs) Uh, Flush it into the old sewer side. (laughs) Hey guys, it's Well, I'll bet that was a great episode. The Matrix. The Matrix. 1999. Whoa. Wow. Enter it, bro. That's an old movie. Deja vu. Didn't we already talk about The Matrix? Maybe season two, episode one. Oh, that was The Matrix Resurrections. Go check that episode out. Also, check out our Patreon. Have I not mentioned to check out our Patreon? You should check out our Patreon. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Nora. Will, stop so trying to replace to me. listen to this episode. You'd think I'd have listened to it, but I'm recording this before I hear it. Because it's a Will edit. He's cutting me out. Will's editing. Getting rid of me. He's cutting me out. I don't even edit. This is all I do. It's fine. I have a baby. I'm busy. I don't have time to come in. I think we'll mention to listen. I think we'll next, next week. Check in. I'm hoping 
Will said to listen to me now to find out what the movie is next. The movie is 2014's Lucy. Starring Scarlett Johansson what? and Morgan Freeman. Why are we doing Lucy? Because my wife is going to be the guest host. That's right. Jillian is going to be the guest Not host. Not me. Oh, I'm going to be at home with the kids. But she is going to talk Lucy. So make sure to tune into that. Everyone's wife is no one likes me anymore. What's the point of this? What's going on? Whoa. 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 Right? Did I get it right? Whoa. Whoa. You know what I mean? Right, I'm doing it right. Whoa. Right? Whoa. Whoa. That's my Joey Lawrence right there. Another banger of an episode that I have yet to listen to. But I will when I attach this to the end. But I hope it was a banger. I'll bet it was a banger. You probably enjoyed the hell out of it. I, have, I, have no I should have written this out doing or saying. Golly gee willikers. Have you checked out our Patreon? You should check out our Patreon. It's cheap. We're going to have a lot of cool bonus stuff So on there. I'm telling you, get on Max, watch Lucy. If you haven't seen it before, have a good chuckle. It's fun. It's silly. It's weird. And tune in next week. It's going to be huge. It's a massive episode. Jillian is going to be on the show. Never thought it would happen, and now it's happening. I'm not going to be there. That's okay. I'm cool with that. That's fine. But uh, it's going to be a banger. Like this week's episode. It's going to be another banger. Check it out. Okay, guys. I'm going to take the the blue pill. Which pill gets you out? Keeps you out. Doesn't make you go into the Matrix. That's the pill I'm going to take. That's the safe pill. I'm a real Joe Pantaleonio. I'm a real Joey Pants. Make steak. Make me forget it all. I'm good to go. All right. I'm out. I'll see you guys uh, later. Okay, cool. Bye. Hopefully we'll be back soon. All right. Bye-bye.